Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Tiny Tim, King for a Day, is a documentary about a musician who is not only well-known for such hits as Tiptoe Through the Tulips, but for his trailblazing persona that paved the way for other rock stars, including David Bowie, Prince, Iggy Pop, and Boy George. Born Herbert Boutros Corey, his rise to stardom was the ultimate fairy tale, and so was his downfall. The film takes us through his life, through his times, and also the stir that he created, this sort of fandom, and, and all of the this very interesting persona. The film, again, is called Tiny Tim King for a Day, and we're joined today by the director and producer, and that would be Johan Von Sito. Johan, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's been a long time since Tiny Tim was thought of. Yeah. How did you kind of land on this as the subject of a documentary? He was never big in, in Sweden or Scandinavia, where I live. Uh, nobody <laughs> had heard about him here, but I made it... A documentary about a Swedish artist like 10 years ago and they were talking about that they loved Tiny in the 60s and then they laughed so hard that the tears just fell so I had to google <laughs> and see what it was and my tears fell as well because I, I felt so sad for him after like 10 seconds I felt like what what has he been through like he was he seems such a the happy face seemed so very much, I mean, the old cliche behind the mask, the, the clown cries, but it was so obvious that there was something very sad behind his mask. Yeah. The thing that always struck me about him was how vulnerable he, his persona was the embodiment of vulnerability. He yeah. obviously was a smart man. Now, that's the other thing about him that I remember was even though he was sort of presented in this freakish way and the and often not always but often the people who were on stage with him or presenting him treated him i wouldn't say with contempt but this sort of perpetuating this idea that he's just nuts or a freak yeah but i could i always saw this kind of intelligence in him and there are a couple of clips in the film which i'm so happy are included in in as part of the uh tiny tim king for a day where his his talent really shines through and so uh, all of these things but i this sort of vulnerability really was his persona is that a fair assessment of yeah i mean that was his genius the vulnerability and and then maybe he learned to hide it and be the clown because it was maybe easier for him for a while but when you could see the real artist then he was very very vulnerable well i think because he wanted so desperately to be loved so desperately yeah. to be famous that he was willing to sort of sacrifice and knowing full well what he was in for and we'll get into sort of his background but what he was going to be taking in terms of incoming criticism and derision and all of that yeah. he was willing to make that bargain it seemed right if he could get one one person to laugh at him or applaud then it was worth it yeah well, uh, for many of the people who will be listening to our conversation, 
Tiny Tim is maybe a, sort of a hazy, ha, have heard of, maybe possibly, but a lot of people haven't. And uh, um, do you want to sort of introduce our audience to who Tiny Tim was? I, I happen to know a little bit about him from the time I he was around, but uh, I, I didn't know. His, well, let's talk about his parents, let, where he came from. Yeah, his mother was of Jewish Eastern European heritage, and his father was a Christian Lebanese, so Arab. So that was very uncommon, you, you and an Arab having a child in, in those days, in the 30s. And they were quite hard communists in the 40s and 50s. So Tiny, of course, became quite conservative or, or right-wing hawk. In the, in the 50s and 60s. He was all pro the Vietnam War, pro Nixon and everything, probably just to be against his parents. Let's talk about the childhood of Herbert Boutros Corey, which was his given name. Uh, it seemed that his mother and father were violent towards him, right? Uh, sort of, yeah. he almost died at childbirth, which is, I think- Yes, right? they, he almost died and they, probably he had some kind of injury from the, from the birth. So that maybe he was without oxygen, his brain or something like that. People, people think that he, it was pretty close that he was, had to stay at a nursing home for the rest of his life, but he didn't, he, he survived and he was well, but something was maybe a bit wrong <laughs> yeah. in him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I, when I look at him and sort of through the perception of our sort of what we know about um, development, childhood development, he almost looks like he's on the spectrum to me of autism or Asperger's or something. It yeah. just seems, it could be just that he suffered some kind of a brain injury that caused him to sort of behave in the way he did. But looking at him now through the lens of what we know, it almost looks like he's on the spectrum. Yeah, that's what his, uh, his widow, Miss, Miss Sue, she thinks that he has um, some, maybe some mild autism or, or something else too. She, she had a lot of theories about that. Yeah, yeah, it does. For our audience, for our listeners, describe his singing style. Well, when he was about 20 years old, he, he got a sign from God that he should sing in the falsetto. I have to sing the sissy way, he said. And uh, so... He started to do that on in competitions, singing competitions on on Manhattan where he lived. And for many, many years, people just laughed, laughed at him. And sometimes he found someone who, who liked it and he got a prize. He won five dollars maybe or so. But he struggled for 15 years with, with no success at all. But a steely determination to, to continue, right? Yes. I mean, we have his diaries, his journals, and Thank you. it's such a such an exciting reading. We have like 20 year, 20 different years of his life. He wrote almost every day. And he often, in the 50s and early 60s, he says that people are laughing at me, but one day I will be the biggest star in the country. And no one believed that except him. And one day he became the biggest star. So that's a, such a story. Yeah. And again, for people now, 45, 50 years later, it's true. There was a period of time, uh, relatively brief, I'd say a year and a half to two years, where he was 
truly the biggest star in that certain realm of of show business of that sort of glitzy tv oriented yeah. sort of that realm uh and it's hard to overstate that i mean when he was in a we don't want to give a lot of the film away, but it, I think it's known if you know anything about Tiny Tim. Uh, he courted Miss Vicky, this woman he met. And when he got married, he got married on The Tonight Show, which at that time was hosted by Johnny Carson. And for years, I think it's no longer the case. It was the second most watched event in the history of American television, surpassed only by the land, the moon landing to give you some sense of just how popular he was, right? Is that yeah. a fair way to put it? Manhattan stood still the night he got married. Everybody watched it. By the way, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Johan von Sydow. He is the director and producer of this documentary film called Tiny Tim, King for a Day. And uh, it is being released through Juno Films. It's coming out today. So you do want to check it out. I really think that if you... if you want to know anything about him or if you want to just watch a story of a man who never gave up, who believed in himself despite some incredible hurdles, this is a film for you. And uh, even if you don't know anything about him, I just think it's sort of a, as a study of someone or as a portrait of someone who was a stranger in a strange land and a, in some ways a persona before its time. Just imagine if, the, if there were social medias back in the 60s or 70s, he would definitely have his own like show, every, everyday show. Yeah. Well, I think his persona, which was, I think we would call it today, kind of a gender fluid persona. Would that, would that be a fair way yeah. to put it? Yeah. Right? He had long, definitely. long dark hair. He spoke in a very sort of, he fey way, sort of a way of speaking that was... I don't know. I mean, gender fluid is the word that comes to mind uh, for, yeah. for, for for him as a persona. And in yeah. the film, we get into a little bit of what his sexual orientation may or may not have been. It's not really a critically important part, but it, it's something that comes to mind when you watch him, especially for somebody in the 70s to be putting it out the way he was. And he was uh, he was a trailblazer like being that gender fluid in in the 60s he was maybe the first pop star who was that before bowie before alice cooper and we know that both alice cooper and uh, david bowie so tiny in the like 68 69 there's a amazing photo from london where tiny tim is uh, greeting with princess margaret of england and there's a line of people, and there is David Bowie, young David Bowie before his breakthrough, before Siggy yeah. Stardust and everything. And he's such huge eyes, just staring at Tiny Tim with a smile. And you can see, hmm, that's that. Maybe I should do something like that. Well, before we before we knew Tiny, uh, David Bowie as Siggy Stardust, his 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 hairstyle was very much like that of tiny tim he there were a lot of people who seemed to mimic that look and i just yeah. think more recently uh the the film the joker with joaquin phoenix it, it looks it literally could be a stunt double yeah. for tiny tim right <laughs> so i i think that's the other part of the story that I, I really like is the influence he had at the time and again it's i don't want to understate the sort of for all the people who loved him there were people who vilified him or there was such a level of sort of animosity towards his his fame and i'm sure he felt it 
and, and but you see it yeah but the influence that he had on others and yeah i just i just i keep coming back to this I, the thing that i really really comes through in the film is you want to give him a hug you want to tell him you're okay you're okay yeah. you can you can be yourself and not don't, do you don't, do you not feel that does because yeah. the, there were times when i felt like watching him in the film he really struggled with the fact that he wasn't accepted by every, I think he wanted to be loved by everyone in the room. He was one of those kind of people. Yeah, he had difficulties being a human being. He 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 was an artist. He wanted to sing and then he didn't really know how to behave between gigs, I think. And he married a couple of times, I believe three times. Yeah. The the second wife is not alive, but we met the other two and and the second wife they had a, a not not a very happy marriage. And and in the 80s, no, in early 90s, he, he was trying to get make a comeback like he did like 1,000 times before. So Jay Leno took him on the Tonight Show for a second wedding, but he was still married. They were so they renewed their vows in in the Tonight Show, but they only mocked him. Jay Leno was they were so mean to Tiny and his wife then. So it's yeah. it's horrible to see. We couldn't have it, we couldn't use it in the film because you want to kill them. <laughs> I'm sure that happened. And we watch the, the entire trajectory of his career and his life in the film. Going into this project, what were your expectations and how were they met or how were how did they change over the course of getting to know a little bit about Herbert Corey? In the in the beginning I I really didn't understand how big a star he was. I, I thought that he was uh, a really minor character all the way. But when I understood that he was one of the biggest, like in 68, 69, that was really wow. And and he is so forgotten. So I, I thought it was strange that he wasn't still a bigger name, that it was for so long. So, I mean, he, he died in 1996 and for 25 years he was really living on the sh in the shadows of, of, of showbiz so that surprised me that he could disappear so quickly and so definite and or was there anything in particular be in sort of the personal level or things about him because even to the end and we see some some version of sort of near the end of his life that persona or that that spirit of his desire to be a performer, desire to be loved, desire to be uh, doing what he did, never seemed to wane, never seemed to die off. Did that uh -huh. surprise you or did you <laughs> feel like? Yeah, but it, it was in his soul, but it was also, I guess, necessary because he, he could never had any other kind of job. He was, uh, it was totally impossible to think that he could do any job at all except singing. So, I mean, he had to, he had to keep on um, performing to get like 100, 100 bucks for a night. And before I let you go, because I think this is important, well, the singing style of this sort of falsetto, and then he would go into sort of a more baritone, he would kind of fluctuate back and forth. He had a voice. He had a pretty good voice yeah. and with the right songs. And we hear some of that in the, in the film, Tiny Tim King for a day, we hear a beautiful voice, a real talent to sing. I think there is a, there's a bunch of songs that I really 
like a lot <laughs> and and people do and then he made hundreds of recordings like private recordings he didn't make that many albums but he did a lot of recordings and they are not very good because he sang anything he knew like thousands of songs old songs but the one that he makes for real and serious they are really good i think well there's one he does we see on the tonight show with the johnny carson show and even carson johnny carson says something about would how unexpectedly different and 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 good it was i just think he found something that he was no he wanted to be loved and that falsetto that sort of back and forth served him well i don't think he really ever developed the other side of his talent to the degree because i i think he feared he would be brushed aside i don't know i don't know it's it's one it's a wonderful documentary i'm so glad that i had an opportunity to see it and i'm so glad you were able to spend some time with us to talk about it the film is called Tiny Tim King for a Day, and it is coming out today. You should check it out. It's being released through Juno Films. Um, are there platforms that it can also be seen, virtual cinema and such? So should, you really should be looking for this. You, again, he's one of these people. There's a there's a uh, singer who I know, Anthony and the Johnsons, and he oh, sounds exactly like Tiny Tim. Yes. I mean, it's it's really – there are other singers who have sort of adopted this style. But it's it's a more serious version of what Tiny yeah. Tim was doing. Yeah. So I, I just Tiny could have been a, a, a Anthony and the Johnson kind of guy. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think there's a lot of that. There, there, there's a lot of crossover in their personalities and such. Yeah. Well, thank you, Johan Ancino, for your work here. Thank you for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.